0: Welcome to the Intercut Podcast, the weekly show going over the TV, movies, and entertainment that people can't cut away from. I am your co host, Zachary Shevich, and joining me, he's made his lists and checked them twice. It's Arturo Zurita.
1: I have checked them three times. I've been working more overtime than Santa <laughs> Claus, that's for sure. But hey, I heard Santa was working extra for you. Someone got a gift. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I gave that gift to myself. Thank you. Uh, But uh, we've also got someone who's home for the holidays, Amanda the Jedi. We're really happy to have her back for another Best Of. Thanks for joining us, Amanda. Thanks so
2: much for having me, despite what I'm sure is going to be some technical difficulties. (laughs) Don't (laughs) worry.
0: Yeah, Amanda's working with less than stellar internet this time around, but uh, we're going to brave through because we really want to talk about the movies and TV that brought us joy in this crazy year of 2020. Last year, 2020, we're recording this in 2020, but you all won't be seeing it until 2021. (laughs) We're still there.
2: (laughs) We're still here.
0: In a little bit, we will get into our favorite movies of 2020. But first, make sure you're subscribed to the Intercut podcast, either the video podcast on youtube.com slash intercut pod or the audio podcast available on most podcatchers. Also... Follow Intercut on social media, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. We are at Intercut Pod. That's at Intercut P-O-D. That's short for podcasts. Also, be sure to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It makes me so happy. Shout out to Sebastian Blagard in Denmark for calling the podcast an amazing dive into entertainment. Writing, this podcast gives you a great look into film festivals. And for a movie aficionado such as myself, it's the best one out there. I, I don't know, man, I agree. Thanks for being subscribed. <laughs> I was like, what are you gonna argue it? <laughs> Let's do it, man. Let's get into the best movies of 2020. A very weird year to be a fan of movies, a year where we did not see a lot of these the films in theaters. Some of them we did. Uh it started off we were all at Sundance and got to see a lot of the movies that I think might even end up on our best of list, but uh The year quickly took a turn, and we ended up going mostly for streaming. How do you guys feel the changes to movies in 2020 ended up affecting what you watched and maybe what you compiled for your end-of-year list? Amanda, I know you uh, felt differently about your list this year than you had in the past.
2: Yeah, I felt like last year especially, I thought that there, for me personally, there was just so many, like I felt really confident about my like top seven and then after that some things started getting a little bit more interchangeable but this year it's like I know which ones I want in my top five but I don't necessarily know what order I wanna put them in and then anything from there to like you. 25 is just like a toss up. So I'll probably be mentioning some <laughs> things that I just know that you guys aren't gonna mention because I just wanna talk about them or they hit me in a different way that it might hit other people. Um, so, but yeah, if anybody's ever interested in my other top of, we we all have letterboxed accounts that we kind of go through all this stuff on, so.
0: Yes, sir. Absolutely. Art, how did uh, 2020 affect you in movies?
1: That ritual, that church that I go to every Thursday, (laughs) Friday, Saturday was gone. Uh, Obviously, it changes things and uh, I still think it was a very interesting year in terms of how many more people were able to catch festival picks that never were before. And now you have a year where a lot uh, of people who may have not had the money to go to a Sundance to go to anywhere else. All you guys know the prices to all of that combined. You can get a whole pass from the comfort of your own home for less than the price of what it would have been the the round trip airfare. So I do like that ability to be able to catch things from home. It, it doesn't replace the experience, but I think a lot of people who have never had the chance to go to a park city to go to a uh, you know Austin for South by or any of the other or any of these others um, this is a great opportunity. I'm hoping that they push it so that if you wanted to sell tickets to the public at a festival i mean we learned you can give press links and i think we've also learned that um the more voices you have out there i think studios will learn when they want to manipulate who gets certain links but i think the more voices that you have the more word of mouth and the better chance that you have because i feel we're competing more with people's attention now especially in the Mm -hmm. age of streaming than we have uh this is the thing that's taking up seven theaters, but uh, there's still a lot of movies. I don't let anyone trick you in saying that there hasn't been a lot of movies. They just haven't seen enough. That's right, but they just haven't (laughs) seen enough, and we got y'all right here. We got a great list for y'all.
0: Absolutely. There has been a lot of stuff out there to watch, and it's been in different formats. You know, There's been the virtual theaters route, and of course, a lot of movies going to streaming this year. I think because of the limited collective movie experiences we've gotten uh the lack of major blockbusters that were ultimately released Mm -hmm. in theaters i found myself maybe craving some more genre movies a little bit more than in years past whereas usually i feel like my best of lists are largely populated by dramas and uh more serious like filmmaking if that if that's what you want to call it this year I i really sought out stuff that was comedic stuff that was action-packed stuff that had a sci-fi or horror element to it. And I think that was a little bit reflective in my uh, list uh, in a way that I, it hasn't been in years past. And maybe that's because, you know, we didn't have the experience of getting one one of those movies every weekend <laughs> to go see in movie theaters. But uh, it's interesting to see what we have gotten. I think there's a lot of really interesting movies, a lot of movies that I liked quite a bit. Maybe not as many as I loved last year, but there's still so much to love about so many movies that came out this year. I know I have a long list of honorable mentions. I'm going to just go through a few here. Uh, Black Bear that we've talked Ooh. about plenty of times on the show. Uh, it comes up short of my list. Uh, I have both Mangrove and Lovers Rock listed in my honorable mentions. I loved all of the small act series but i'm not putting any of them in my top 10 here oh, uh i got sound of metal which we just dropped in after credits about recently all three of us really liked really? that movie in my honorable mentions <laughs> one night in miami uh the stunning uh movie from regina king that i i honestly think i need to see again uh and i might it might grow in my estimation for but sure i left that off uh Gunda, the the heart-wrenching black and white animal documentary that played the festival circuit uh that might convert you into being a vegan didn't do that to me yet but it's <laughs> it got it's really good guys it's really good maybe at arts uh badgering i left nomadland off my top <laughs> 10 uh i want to see it again i still have only seen it the once but i i loved it nice. <laughs> the first time i saw it so maybe i'll regret it's, that choice it's a good performance it's a great movie and then a couple of movies that I I loved from earlier this year: uh, Dick Johnson is dead, The Five Bloods, and First Cow are movies that I think are excellent, and I've put them on top ten lists before. I'm just not going to do it here today.
1: Amanda, would you have off your list?
2: See, now, um, because he was just like, you know, these were on some top 10 lists, but I'm just going to leave them off here today. I feel like my list is probably going to change. So there's a couple (laughs) I am actually going to leave off right now, mostly because I've talked about them on this exact podcast two separate times. We're wheeling and dealing. Two separate times, and I've talked about them on my own channel, but... I'm going to leave off big time adolescence, which I still think is a really great like comedy coming of age story. And it's one of those ones that hits really home for me and like just Mm -hmm. personal experiences I had with like trying to look up to these like older kids who actually just got off on being looked up to by younger kids. And that made them feel cool. And then you grow up and you're like, wow, they were not cool because they wanted to hang out with 14 year olds so that's one for sure
0: you had that at number one on your best of so- 2020 yeah, so absolutely. far list. and
2: i think that ended up coming about because halfway through that list i was like oh my god that counts that's this year not last year because we saw it in 2019 <laughs> we were running
1: the numbers we went yeah. we went Adolescence was this, this year because <laughs> we saw
2: it in 2019 mm-hmm. January. So that yeah. one's still really good, so, and I do mm-hmm. still love it. Uh, and then another one that's been very high on my list for these past two years: "To the Stars." Um, I, mm, I really really right. liked uh, it was originally released in black and white It's Sundance it's been colorized better. it's uh, and it's better in black and white but it was still a really um, kind of like beautiful story it does fall into some of the, uh, the negative tropes with uh, certain aspects of uh, portrayal in terms of like age gap relationships and stuff but uh, I, I think that's one that's going to get left off a lot of people's lists and a lot of people's radar so uh, look into to the stars see if it's something you might be into I've talked about it before on my channel Delicious. Big fan of that. Uh, other than that, some some ones that I, I think I liked a little bit more than some people, but uh, I think would be worth a watch. Uh, the Gentleman uh, was one that came out right at I the beginning like of 2019. I thought it was super fun. Guy Ritchie. I know a lot of people are like, it's like if Guy Ritchie was trying to be Guy Ritchie, but it's. I thought it was fun. I had a good time with it. If you're into those kind of gangster flicks, it's the I like the way they they wield the story with um. It's it's Hugh Grant, right? I, yeah, Hugh Grant. Mm-hmm. Um I love the way they wheel, they they wind up the story that way. I love the execution of it. Big fan. And then uh uh Devil all the time. I know that that was kind of one that got mixed reviews oh, yeah. for Netflix, but it's one of those I ones like that one it too. stayed with me like the more like I'm going to I'm going to read the good. I'm reading the book right now, so it's just one of those ones that really stayed with me. Oh nice. So yeah, so I might take another look at it. So We bought it too. Hell yeah. So yeah, those are uh those are probably ones that are kind of like Almost there, or just ones that I kind of wanted to just take a second to talk about. There's probably a lot more, but yeah, we'll go with those.
1: For sure. I agree with you, dude. Uh, that movie should have been longer.
2: Yeah. <laughs> like, everyone was like, it's like, long, they but I'm like, so m- you could go more.
1: And uh, and after you're done with the book, you're going to see that. Yeah, we
2: could do mini-series. Um,
1: for me, Right, literally, I, exactly. Mm-hmm. But he wanted to shoot it in film, and I, I think it. that's one of the reasons why I like the movie, but then at the yeah. same time, it takes away a lot of the story, because that's where all the budget went. No, I totally get um, it. I have my... You know, I have my good top 10 and I technically have a top five. I have these four that are right there trying to go in, but I want to give a shout out because usually the way that I uh, try to categorize everything is by... um categories by genres and mm-hmm. i didn't have a horror one that made it through this year but you know shout outs to uh invisible man that i thought did a great job mm-hmm. this year possessor mm-hmm. was one of my favorites from out of sundance yeah. and i just recently even saw this is more of a horror drama bella llorona i think was one of the top tier horrors but again this is a genre where we didn't get the candy man we were supposed to get this year a lot of the movies that may have garnered way more attention weren't released like zach said uh and that goes also to the action sci-fis i don't have any of these in my top 10 one is a miniseries. Um, <laughs> but I ended up liking Tenet, even though I haven't fully officially seen Tenet. I did enjoy it. I liked what what Mr. Nolan was doing there. Um, doesn't come up in the top either, but also a shout out to Sputnik. Uh, shout out to the Paper Tigers. Um, some of the action ones that were there. Some of the mystery thrillers that just didn't make my list would have been uh, A Good Woman is Hard to Find, White Lie. I'm not going to mention some of the other ones because I believe <laughs> they'll be there as well. But Black Bear. Yep. whether it would have been my 15. Soul Wolfwalkers, I'm thinking of ending things. Um I'm missing one because it's technically a doc and then it would be my top 10. So there were a lot of great movies this year. I have a couple honorable mentions as well, but I think they may be on your list, but this was a completely stacked year. Is 40-year-old version on any of your guys' lists?
2: No.
0: No but uh, did then they shout
2: out 40
1: year old version that was that was my third favorite comedy of the year there's two better yeah. ones one's going to be on my list the other one i'm not going to say because i think it's in uh, one of y'all's uh the climb the half of it like Ooh, this was a climb. great year for so many different movies that were out there uh i'm not even going to get into my dramatic stuff because we're going to have this discussion right now but a lot <laughs> of stuff um and also the special tour award that we <laughs> give <laughs> To Josephine Decker for Shirley, which was one of the one of the gre- one mm-hmm. of the great movies that came out, mm-hmm. and one of the best performances of the year as well.
0: Which I know we could also yeah, split. And congrats up. to Josephine Decker on winning the uh, special congrats, awards. It's not an mean... award that we give out, you know, lightly. It's, it's something we take very seriously here at Intercut. We <laughs> stayed up late
1: discussing that one, but uh, nonetheless, I was able to compile, and I think we all got our top ten. This is the top ten that are our favorites i'm not saying they got to be your favorites what i'm saying is if i was stuck in an island and that had a 4k theater for whatever reason that could (laughs) stream stuff these would be the 10 that i would buy for sure i've thought it over and over through all of these movies there's so many movies i love but these are the 10 i would take who started it off you sound pretty confident i I think you should (laughs) go ahead and take us off i have looked at this list over and over and over again and Regina King killed it with One Night in Miami, my number 10 pick. It kept fighting there with another little drama uh, <laughs> by a uh, Kelly Reichardt that kept coming in and in. Uh, but at the end of the day... One Night in Miami still found its spot right there at my number 10. I thought she killed it with the direction of a you know stage adaptation with Kemp Powers also being, uh, I believe, a writer with the movie. Kemp Powers also co-directed Soul, so that man has been on a roll. But it's just the performances that she captures here. I know to a, a lot of people it may feel like it's all taking place in one place, but I love that bottle film uh, style of it. Mm-hmm. And where you got four super iconic figures sparring. They're just going back and forth at each other ideologically just as friends. There's some really funny quips. um, But the performances. This is the best ensemble cast in my opinion. Yes, And you can't have a best ensemble cast, I believe, without having a great director who is able to interweave the entire movie. I, I really like this movie. I think, Zach, it will go up on your list because the, one of the reasons why it's really high on my list is because of the discussions I had with you um, and the way she pays a lot of homages to uh, a lot of the iconography during that time. I absolutely love this movie. I kept arguing with Alina because she didn't like it as much, and I went, nah, I did. <laughs> King Regina. Or they call her uh, Queen Regina. That's what that's what they were calling her. Um, fantastic movie. I highly recommend it. And it's going to be available on Amazon Prime. One Night in Miami. Yeah, uh,
0: it's, it'll be available, I believe, January 15th. So I'm really excited to revisit nice. that one because it is such an interesting movie. And uh, I think in on one of the LME live streams we did, somebody asked us a question about whether or not a movie sticks to history, uh, whether or not if a movie doesn't stick to history, if that is something we take away from it. And I think this is a great example of how you can use Mm. uh, history and not necessarily something that actually happened, but the idea of something to speak to a greater idea. You know, he Kemp Powers is imagining this world in which these people, uh, these iconic figures got to collide and exchange philosophical views on this one night in Miami. And it just puts their legacies in contrast to one another in a way that I don't know if you could get if you were sticking to the real truth. So I like when you can use history in Mm -hmm. this way to to speak maybe to a greater truth. And it is such an interesting movie. Uh, I'm eager, as I said, to revisit it once I get the chance to. Kingsley was your favorite, right? Oh. Man, it's hard to pick a performance, but yeah, Kingsley Benedier is amazing in this one. Yeah, I I feel like you know, if one or two performances are good, you can credit the writing or maybe the acting. But if you got like four top notch performances, Leslie Odom, a director who's really put them in that position, yeah,
1: and Aldous Hodges, Eli Gore. All right,
0: (laughs) what what do you guys have? Number 10 Amanda, you want to go next?
2: Sure. Okay, so this is one sure. I know that won't be on your guys' list, but uh, I just felt like it's uh, it spoke to me in in this internet age. And I'm going with Spree. Spree, the Ooh, Joe yeah. Keery crazy movie about trying to find relevance in an online world when you are just not the type of person who can do that and the obsession that you can get. It's just this crazy off-the-wall not found footage, but he's basically a, a spree is an app like Uber and he's going around he's got cameras set up everywhere and it just starts off as like, yeah, this is how I'm going to like, it's going to be great. It's going to be exciting. We're going to make some some money and uh, it's just going to show you we're going to make YouTube videos is going to be great. And then it just gets very sinister very quickly. And it's just this whole comparison to how mm-hmm. far people will go in the Internet age for yep. relevance. Um, and, uh, I just really, I've always have such a good time watching it. I love the fact that they created a cringe compilation for Joe Keery to watch that of literally the worst people they could find on YouTube literally went out of their way to being like, these are the people who act like they have a million subscribers when they have none. And I just, I need to know, I need to see the video just for my own <laughs> personal, I just want to know who's on the list, but yeah oh. no it's it's wild uh, i think that it really did something interesting in terms of how it was filmed and how it was put together it premiered in the next category at sundance which is typically four things that do you know special editing and special filming just kind of outside the box searching was and a next searching was also a next yeah yeah so yeah exactly so stuff like that um i thought it was super fun it's available now and you should definitely check it out so my number 10
1: and Amanda has a great yes. video. She did a great breakdown of it. Thank you. Because this is becoming a genre in and of itself. It
2: is. Yeah. And Influencers. I think, yeah, influencers. Killing themselves. Influencers <laughs> like just, and I, I do like the ending too. I will say that in, in this grand scheme of things, you end up with a lot of these movies that by the end seem like they're glorifying these people's behavior, whether they mean to or not. Mm-hmm. This doesn't happen here. It, it shows you how the nope. internet starts taking mm-hmm. it after the fact. But uh, in terms of the person himself. Yeah. Either way. Super fun. Super fun.
0: Yeah, it's it's a movie that really is speaking to uh, part of culture and internet culture that I don't know if it's been explored in film in this way, mm-hmm. and I, I really appreciate that about Spree, and I really also think that the way that the film is able to embrace m- modern technologies, whether that's streaming or uh, you know interact how people interact through rideshare apps and use it in a dramatic way is something that's totally in that movie's credit one of the more interesting uh genre pieces that we got in
2: 2020
0: for sure okay so from one portrait of a forgotten man (laughs) to a portrait of many forgotten people uh my number 10 choice is bloody nose empty pockets from the ross Brothers. nice a movie that was in sundance in the documentary category even though we've since learned that is not so much a documentary. It's this amazing film that takes place at a Las Vegas dive bar in the last 24 hours of that dive bars being open and it, Shows you the comings and goings of the different bartenders and bar patrons uh, and gives you a little bit of a glimpse into the lives of these people who are have gathered in this place, like off the beaten path, uh, congregated because they are largely not successful enough to be in a better place. You know, it's a collection of uh, war veterans and failed actors and drunks. And I, I think it's just a really beautiful glimpse at the the disparity of people we have in America that we oftentimes don't consider when we talk about this country i i think it speaks to so in so many ways to the american condition it's so smart and so acutely observed it fooled the people at Sundance into thinking it's a documentary because it really has this authentic feel because he casts a lot of non-actors or the brothers cast a lot of non-actors and kind of just let the cameras roll for a lot of this I I loved how this movie felt. I have thought about it so many times especially that ending which is just devastating and cuts to the heart of it I don't know, man. This is a this is a great movie and it stuck with me throughout twenty twenty.
1: Agree with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, between Chloe what the work that Chloe Zhao's doing with uh, the mixing of non-actors with real actors in mm-hmm. Nomadland with what they're doing here, there's gonna be a new genre of filmmaking that I think is just gonna take the storm. Cause I mean, Fincher says it all the time. He's not trying to see a performance. He's trying <laughs> he's tiring them out so he gets something raw and authentic. Mm-hmm. These are directors who are cutting to that chase immediately. I, I, I kept mm-hmm. looking at one of the actors and I was like, why do I feel like I know you? But at <laughs> no point did I question it. I'm reading the press notes once it's yeah. done and I text Zach. Zach, was I duped? <laughs> uh, we have a great <laughs> interview with them where they also broke down how they were able to. Um, Help on on Wendy, one of uh, Zach's other uh, films from Sundance that he got to catch. Um, (laughs) And they have a great documentary that will never be released because these are gentlemen who capture the rawest of emotions. And that comes down to even Mm -hmm. making a studio film. And sometimes the studio goes, nope. But uh, I highly recommend this one. This one's available out of VOD.
0: Yeah, absolutely. One of the underrated gems of 2020 that's worth catching up on. Art. Do you have, you have another underrated gem at number nine? <laughs> How'd you know, Zach? Um, there's a little movie
1: that not a lot of people were able to see, but I got to catch at a little festival called Schliff. This Sliff. This is Sliff. I think it's, I'm not saying that it's better than the Charlie Kaufman film. But I enjoyed it more than the Charlie Kaufman film. The Charlie Kaufman film would still be purchased. It's top 15. But Beast Clawing at Straws, Zach, is one of the best thrillers I've seen in a long time. I don't know how else to pitch it other than this. My fiancé's father sat down and watched the entirety of this movie subtitled At the Edge of His Seat. Oh, wow. What would Bong say? (laughs) Those subtitles mean nothing. mean nothing. This thing is one of the best thrillers of the year. It is out on demand. There's nothing else I can pitch it other than someone may find a bag, someone may have lost a bag, someone may have found a body. Catch it as soon mm-hmm. as you can. My number nine, uh, one of the best thrillers of the year, Beast Clawing at
0: Straws.
2: Why didn't you why weren't you in my DMs with that? We talk about <laughs> it on the streams. But I gotta hit you with I'm it. Yeah. I'm gonna send you a copy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're definitely going to have to catch up with this one. Uh it's really really yeah. cool the debut from Kim Young-hoon. You know, I think there's a couple really interesting decisions they make with the linearity of this film that is just like an expert filmmaking move and Whereas the first 45 minutes, it's doing a lot of like setting up. Once you start to see the dominoes fall in this movie, it's such a pleasure. Oh. I really dug this one. I'm, I'm hoping more people get to catch up with this I had Vaughn to surprise you, Amanda. You're going to watch it this week. I'm probably going
2: to watch it like right after we finish this by the sounds of it. <laughs> She's Jeez. watching it
1: right now. We can't see
2: her camera. It's <laughs> true, I up. could be. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, but no i highly recommend this one
0: what do yeah. you got amanda? amanda what do you got for us at number All right.
2: nine uh, this is definitely one of those ones that probably could have been an honorable mention but since i just bopped a couple of things off i'm just going into like how much personal enjoyment and how much i enjoyed the discourse around this movie it's happiest season it's happiest season the Talk the, about it. the the gay rom-com starring Uh, Kristen Stewart and Mackenzie Davis with a surprise surprise appearance by oh my god Aubrey Plaza had a moment there Aubrey Plaza and it was just (laughs) I didn't know she was gonna be in it and when she is there I was like oh my god this movie just increased itself to that next level it's not a perfect movie it falls into a lot of like the trope issues of like like the coming out stories that people are just kind of like eh but it's like Mm -hmm. there's been hundreds maybe even thousands of these basic rom-com holiday movies and like we just want a couple, we just want a couple. And to, to have it star Kristen Stewart is just great. So I don't know, it was super fun. It became a whole thing on Twitter. If you loved it, if you hated it, it was just this phenomenon of like Team Rileys or here's how we make it better. And just things like that, I don't know. It was super fun to be involved with. I had a great time talking about it. So sure, Happy season, number nine, I'm pleased. What team were you? What team, I, okay. I'm always team therapy, is what I said when I was filming it (laughs) basically, that I was team therapy. (laughs) But. I think that yeah obviously they did not do the best with Mackenzie Davis's character it was really hard I think they needed to show more was early on with their relationship to really understand mm-hmm. why it would be worth putting up with this behavior because just throwing us in there like that I'm like this is horrible and I get that that's a difficult thing to do but don't put your significant other in that situation maybe but uh, I just love Aubrey Plaza <laughs> so I'm team Riley but no one's losing here all the teams are good
0: yeah, uh, I I was not, like, a huge fan mm-hmm. of it, but I think the thing that I would absolutely give in this film's credit and that is undeniable is just the, the genuine mm-hmm. chemistry and, and charisma of this yeah. cast. Like, they're, they're all really interesting to watch and fun performers and just any scene where Kristen Stewart and mm-hmm. Aubrey Plaza were together is extremely yeah, watchable I for a variety of reasons, so... I yeah, it, I can't argue with this choice too much, even if it wasn't my favorite movie. But if you're going to choose something that I didn't love at number nine, I think I got to choose something that you didn't love oh, at number goody. nine. My number nine film of 2020 is Tenet. <laughs> <laughs> Tenet is not a perfect movie. Tell the quote. <laughs> you don't have to understand it. Just try to Tell feel it.
2: Amanda, it, Amanda. No, try to I do understand it. it because the whole movie is exposition, Zach. <laughs>
1: She did feel it. That's all she felt. She couldn't even hear. She was the only one in the theater.
0: <laughs> Tenet is not a perfect movie. I think I think we all can agree on this. And I admit that I spent the first maybe 45 to an hour of this Same, movie being bro. like what is happening? I'm not <laughs> yes. following and I don't get the mission here, but there is something about a Christopher Nolan movie where when He puts the pieces in place. He gives you these set pieces that you cannot get anywhere else. And there is a moment where things came together for lack of wanting to (sighs) completely spoil it in this movie. That I was just in awe of, and I completely gave myself away to this movie. I, <laughs> I forgave it for all its flaws, and I just wanted to enter the time pincer movement with Nolan and his crew, uh, the temporal pincer movement or whatever. I don't. This it's a movie that I still like. Cannot explain to you half of the reason for the things that happened, but it was so electric and exciting. I got to give it up to Nolan, man. There's, there's a reason that he gets to make these kinds of movies. And it gave me the uh, a unique pleasure this year in a year where we didn't get a lot of these high budget action blockbusters.
2: There. I think, OK, I think it would have been a really good yeah. miniseries. I think that that's another one that if they had been able to flesh out the ideas more in a miniseries, I don't know. Get some good audio mixing in there. Could have been great. But it's just like, yeah, that first 45 minutes is just, it honestly feels like a bunch of exposition MacGuffin missions.
1: Y'all are saying 45. It was an hour 12, all right? I like the movie, but I'm going to be honest. I was there for an hour
0: 12 going, what? A nut. Insignificant percentage of my enjoyment of this movie came from the fact that I was able to watch it with subtitles. I can admit that's to what that. I said.
2: I've never wanted subtitles more in my life because there's just certain moments where they're wearing the elevation mask things, and I'm like, "Excuse me, what?" <laughs> and then the dialogue I he could was prepping understand for you was how "We're like going to
1: communicate horrible,"
2: this year. and my son just like little things that I'm like, "We of course, <laughs> Jesus." Anyways, it's fine. Our path was great. John
0: David Washington is so badass in Dude, this movie. It's like a high tech uh, Bond film that Christopher Nolan didn't get asked to make. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's I like this one. He a talked
1: lot. about in the behind the scenes how he was like, he just let John David do what he needed to do. He's like, yeah, JD just uh, he came in and did his his thing. Yeah, he was able to get all of the classics to come in. You know, Michael Caine was sitting down I in know. a chair because they say that's the way Michael Caine films now. He's like, he's I'm Sir me. Michael, you're gonna, yeah, Sir Michael. He said, you're gonna come to me. We're gonna be sitting <laughs> the whole scene. That's what's gonna happen. Um Yeah, look, it's not it's not the best Nolan film, but it's still Nolan being Nolan. Everything that you see on screen, he's blowing up a plane. If you're seeing a plane, it's the actual plane getting blown up. The biggest mm-hmm. thing for me was I was like, oh, has this man just hit rewind? Then I catch the behind the scenes, which I told Zach, catch it. It's an hour 12, ironically. (laughs) It's an hour 12 as well. He tells you he had them choreograph the scenes in reverse. I was like, Nolan, like. (laughs) Nolan, what are you
2: doing? I do definitely need to see it again. I definitely do need to watch it. Like at home, where I can turn on the subtitles, subtitles. and just yeah. enjoy it. Like it, because I did get to see it in theaters. Because again, I live in an area where the, at the time there and was I no want cases, and I got to. I wore a mask and I didn't touch anything. It was fine, but.
1: You were in there like
2: JD. Yeah, exactly. The- <laughs> I was like relatable. I feel this. It was just like a couple things took it like to this level <laughs> that was so cartoonish. I didn't hate it. Like I, I think I gave it a three out of five on Letterbox. Like that's not a terrible rating. Mm-hmm. I just didn't. That's fair. Love nah, that's it. a
0: that's a really fair rating. Okay. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I'm talking about it like I think it's like a two, but like I'm like no, this is just average. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Tenant is just a movie that gets kind Cause of because it was supposed to save theaters. Yeah it gets trapped in the discourse right like it becomes this political football or like it becomes the movie where you express how worried you are about coronavirus yep. for some yep. reason and and it, it's like kill Theater at the of end of the HBO day Max, you, can't just talk you know all about these it. different
1: things that came with it yeah yeah exactly yeah um no i'm glad i'm glad you had it that high i'm glad you enjoyed it zach <laughs>
0: <laughs> i i really did all right what was your number eight
1: Uh, a little independent movie that was able to hit the number one this year during the drive-in box office that we had. No one was paying attention to the box office numbers. Those are still numbers. And I thought it was interesting to see some people play it. Some people were able to dupe it, the system, and go buy out drive-in theaters for the little small (laughs) movies that they made so they could say they were number one. Uh, That was cute. But (laughs) but there was a movie that well deserved it called Swallow. Uh, Drama- mystery thriller it's described as all three I absolutely enjoyed um, this film uh, that covers a a housewife who starts swallowing objects that may or may not hurt her (laughs) and it develops into something just bigger I absolutely I this was one of the movies as soon as it ended I played it again. Uh, Something with it just Mm -hmm. stuck with me. Uh, I made a whole video on it, so I have all my thoughts over there to get into the spoilery stuff. But I really enjoyed this film. It's been a blast seeing other people catch it here and there. Some people squirm because they just can't deal with (laughs) it. Uh, I think it's very effectively directed, and it's a very personal film for the director as well. Um, And I liked the behind the scenes that he talked about, how it was influenced by his grandmother and the stuff that she went through. Um, Yeah, I just, I I really like how it ends. I like the performances in it. Um, Shout out Swallow. Highly recommend it. Made it all the way to my my end of the year.
0: Yeah. I mean, talk about really effective filmmaking. You know, something that helps me get through, like, a horror movie is I remind myself that it's fake and it's yeah. filmmaking, oh, right? Help. They're, they're <laughs> props and stuff. But with this, it's they're g- getting you to that squirm, uncomfortable feeling just with, like, the sound of a gulp, yep. you know? Mm. and And... Very good. It's just
1: masterful work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And shout out Haley Bennett because everyone's always saying, hey, that's all the the comments I got in the video. Is that Katniss? Is that Katniss? Katniss Haley Bennett. Yeah. I can't wait for her to get more roles. I think um, she is a star. She's a star. Yeah. She just looks a lot like Jennifer Lawrence and a lot of people confuse her. But mm-hmm. nah, she is a star.
2: She did super good. Like It was it was totally. just her... The- just the timidness of her like character throughout the whole movie and how like subdued she is and you think everything's kind of mm-hmm. like maybe okay at first and then you see that next level of what's really going on uh, and why it kind of leads her to do the things that she's doing it's just yeah it was really good <sighs> yeah. it's great it's
1: good and she did a great job at devil all the time as well she was in she that movie did. for a little bit uh, I thought she was one job. of the better parts of hill right yeah one of the better jobs uh, in Hillbilly Elegy as well. So I, I thought she had a good Yeah, the only year.
0: performance that I didn't think was like, you know, over <laughs> the top <laughs> in Hillbilly Elegy. Yeah, yeah, Haley had a good
1: year. She had a great year, and I think Swallow was
0: her best. Hell yeah. Absolutely. Amanda, what do you have at number eight? Uh,
2: are we in eight or seven? No, we're eight. My bad. Sorry. Eight. Okay. Okay. So my eight, again, I, this is actually probably where I would have put Devil all the time, but I already talked about it. So we're going to swap in for a genre flick. We're going to, I'm going to talk about Wolf of Snow Hollow a little bit. I know that Art didn't love this, Ooh. but I, oh, cool. I don't know. There's certain horror comedies that just hit me in a certain way. It's probably why I really like Spree too, but uh, it's by... um Jim Cummings, the same guy who did uh, Thunder Road. Uh, so, if you liked the comedy in Thunder Road, you'll kind of be in for something similar, but this takes on a very different side of that where he is a police officer again but in a mountain town where it seems <laughs> like yeah it's like this is a very different story but he's still a police officer uh but he's in a mountain police to- officer yeah police officer in a mountain town where the entire city is getting super paranoid that something is kind of killing people because these bodies keep showing up dead in these super grotesque ways and it's always over the course of the full moon so the whole city's in this like paranoid stupor while he's just kind of like no this is this is a man this has to just be a person. And it's just, again, showing his downfall as this whole story progresses out. Um, I just think they did a really good job with... I really like it when you can do horror comedy and, like, both aspects come out strong. If I'm laughing and if I can genuinely feel that, like, tension and the horror and just kind of, like, the the gruesomeness of it without it going too far or too little in any direction, I think it, for me, it really came together well there. I love the performances. Uh, Jim Cummings, again, just acts, directs, writes that's just kind of his thing he he does he does it really well he does it really well and he's got a, a a particular style of comedy that i just am a fan of and some people might not be but if you're a fan of horror comedies or horror in general i would definitely give wolf of snow hollow a check a watch
1: I'm always a big fan of Jim Cummings and the stuff that he does. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking at my rating. I don't think I'd change it, but it is pretty harsh. When yeah. you, but I guess when I added it, I'm like, oh, that's a 5 out of 10. Mm-hmm. This movie is expensive to rent, dude. When I rented oh, it, fair. it was so expensive. Even to purchase right now, guess how much the DVD is?
2: Is it like 19
1: $23.
2: Oh.
1: $35 for the blu-ray it's like i don't know if this is a shift in independent filmmaking huh. where they don't have the means of something else but i was like i guess the price point is what took me a little bit away from it um but nonetheless i i i prefer thunder road a little bit more that's to fair. this one but he still keeps that same comedic side of it i'm looking
0: forward to rewatching this one
1: i, I just don't want to rent it for this no that's again. totally fair that's yeah.
2: totally fair
0: it is interesting the way that the new economic landscape of films That's has maybe shifted mm. how we interact with mm. some of these movies. You know, I think we've talked maybe off the podcast a little bit about how, you know, do you really want to spend the $20 to rent Ammonite if no. you're not going to get that much pleasure out of a movie like Ammonite? And they've already dropped that Amanda, one down to Amanda, they $9. cut the $9. price okay. to $9.99 well,
2: for Ammonite. I just want to say, you guys know how much I talk. I love the gays. I love oh, the Lesbian Stories. You put Happiest my Season happiest on seasons your in my Best top of 2020 list. Of 2020. We all know it's not Top 10 2020. What is, maybe it is. It's fine. <laughs> and don't watch Ammonite. Just don't waste your money. Wait till it's on a streaming service. I'm sorry. I love you, Sersha, <laughs> but no.
1: Y'all know I watch everything. And we were excited for this when this was, was announced at sunday Yeah, Sundance. we were hoping
2: it was going to be the secret show. We were like getting those secret show tickets. Hoping. It wasn't even filmed <laughs> no, wasn't yet. Really <laughs> yeah, We were, were
1: like, I can't wait to see this. But it's because of you two that I literally, I watch everything. I reserved this one i did not watch it so yeah you know Zach's right you get to this point where it's like not everything is going to be a 1999 rental not everyone's going to go for that Mm -hmm. um and then yeah even to purchase it's like these are very very steep prices just to own so i'm very curious to see if this is going to affect just physical media releases in general and how streaming services are going to come up and try to swoop things up but uh he in particular is someone that I'm looking at because he runs all his stuff. Like, that is his it mantra. Um, and I always respect that, even if I don't like the movie as much as his previous one.
0: Uh, I like his, his style. Totally. My number eight film of 2020 is The Vast of Night, the Andrew Peterson mystery sci-fi thriller. I saw this one late, but really, really dug it. I think the thing that is obvious when you watch this movie is you're in the hands of a director who really knows what he wants to show you. And the movie jerks you around a lot. It shifts from these walk and talk um these back-and-forth crackerjack dialogue walk-and-talks to these long tracking shots to these standstill monologues to entire sections that are done without visuals on the screen but I think it pulls you in and wraps you up in the mystery and really gives you the feeling of thinking of hearing something's out there of feeling a presence but not knowing what it is i loved getting pulled in by this movie and i'm really impressed by uh andrew patterson as a filmmaker i i'm sure he's going to be given some huge budget but i hope he gets to make more movies like this because I, I think he did a lot with a little here and i i, I love that eye so the vast of night please check this one out it's on amazon Prime. Haven't had a chance very good filmmaking e- even if it was not Oh, you haven't had a no, chance? I haven't had a chance. I'm curious to hear your thoughts. I've
2: just, there's so many things on lists that I was trying to get to that I was just trying to go for the ones I thought I would like the yeah, most, always but growing. I probably should have gone for some of these, like, maybe off the wall, kind of more polarizing ones. Yeah,
0: you got to split the difference between us because I, I liked it a lot. Art was not as high on Sometimes it, so you got to be the yeah, deciding <laughs> vote.
1: But I will sell it. I, I do like the idea that he covers and where it's able to tell this UFO story from the perspective of... How do you ignore certain people who may have seen these objects, especially when the movie takes place in the time period that it takes place in? That really clicked to me on the second nice. watch. Um, but I can't wait to re-watch it as a podcast <laughs> again to <in> the future. <laughs> it's a good pick. I'm, I'm very curious to see what people think. And like you said, it's on Amazon Prime, so you can catch
0: Hell it. Yeah. Definitely. Art, you're number seven.
1: <sighs> Zach, I woke up in the middle of the night
0: and I told you, I
1: forgot a movie.
2: I had to
0: rearrange
1: everything. First cow. Kelly Reichardt. First Cow. Go watch First Cow. We're going to have a video. I'm not going to say anything more. Mm -hmm. I love First Cow. We recommended this and some people said, why? Let us explain in a little bit. (laughs) I will just put it that way. (laughs) It has been a Kelly Reichardt year for me. Mm -hmm. I've just dug into all of her movies. This is a director I wish I was following much sooner. Hey, better late Mm -hmm. than never. We have full spoiler thoughts on this film. I absolutely loved this film. First Cow.
0: You could talk about yeah, it. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. I mean, like, I don't want to do, get too much into it because we will put out uh, that Let Us Explain at some point. But uh, I think the movie says so lo- says so much without mm-hmm. saying it explicitly. You know, it infers so much and there's so much context behind the action th- in this movie. And the way that she's able to elicit that through these really naturalistic performances that get at these little moments that may not seem cinematic, but she makes them somehow. Yes. So much to be impressed by in this movie. No
1: stories thing because we are saving that. I will just say this because I think a lot of people are watching it and they're like, oh, this is boring. Mm -hmm. I am one in Zach Noses who hates. um, She even has a name for it. Shots that just linger Mm -hmm. and don't seem to do anything. You may feel this movie has that. I am telling you, I promise you that there is something to it all. And uh, mm-hmm. I felt it. And, and yeah, that's why we, we got a video in the works for it. But I absolutely adored this film. Went back and watched all of her stuff. listened to all of her interviews. She is
0: a G. <laughs> give her more money. Give her a bigger budget. <laughs> is First Kyle your favorite Kelly record movie now that you've gone back? I really like the Wendy one.
1: Really like Lucy's the, so good. Lucy's that one, might no be Man mine Lynch, too. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, that one was really good. Uh, I think First Cow is just dope just because of the conversation you and I had back and forth. Your tweet about us being outside.
2: <laughs> I saw that. I saw um, that.
1: No, she, she's a master filmmaker, dude. Like, I don't know how else to put it. She's just, she is fantastic. I thought Never Rarely had some great direction and just uh, restraint. Mm-hmm. There goes Kelly. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> Incredible. And Shout Out Never Rarely. Yeah. That's a fantastic movie. I hope it gets brought up soon. But First Cow, that's my number seven.
0: Absolutely. All right, Amanda, what you uh, got My number seven?
2: 7 is actually a kind of recent release. Uh, one, no, um, it's, it's Soul. I was, can't even joke about that <laughs> oh, I was. Uh, I'm going Soul. I hadn't actually watched, <laughs> nice. and cool. I know that there's a bunch I need to catch up on, but for whatever reason, I just had not watched an animated movie since Spider-Verse was in theaters. Not... Yeah, wow. like I rewatched other ones, but I like I still need to see Wolf Walkers. There's a couple of other ones I need to catch up with. I think, you'll like it. I think I will too. Um, but yeah, I just I got that link from Disney for Soul. So I was like, sure, it comes out tomorrow, but why not? So I watched it. <laughs> and I am just a huge fan of these I'm just calling them like give a shit movies. Like it's not necessarily how you want to describe soul, but it's just kind of like there, there's so much to care about in life. And I think that so many people, uh, even mm-hmm. myself in the past, you just get obsessed with this idea that you're born with a purpose. And if you like something, that's your purpose. And that's the only thing you can do. And if you don't get it, you're a failure and your life doesn't mean anything. But that's not true because like people have more than one purpose and you don't even need to have a purpose because life mm-hmm. is just about living. And you can have such a huge impact on the people around you without ever even realizing that you've done it. And if you stop and think about that like that is beautiful so soul was like a really just beautiful experience to me as it like wound into its ending i thought it was really great and i I love the fact that like the the main character is so blatantly learning that as um you know the 22 character is learning it so this is i've seen this described a lot as Mm -hmm. like the pixar movie for adults and not necessarily for your kids Um, and I might, I might agree with that. I think it's definitely worth watching, even if you're an adult and you think you're too good for animated movies, or if you feel like you've just moved past your Pixar days, I think this is probably one of the best things Pixar has done in uh, a very long time, though I haven't seen Onward yet, but yeah, I think this is probably the best thing they've done maybe in like 10 years, but...
0: I would agree with you there. Yeah, this Great is like though. stop and smell the flowers, yeah. the movie, right? Yeah,
1: yeah it's just... So y'all, y'all about to have um, me crying again for so Damn, just- bro, what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's fantastic, yeah. absolutely.
0: There's a classic screenwriting thing about there. your character has to have a want mm-hmm. and a need and the want should be different than the need. And I think uh, the journey that we get through in Soul is like a perfect encapsulation of that idea that maybe what the character wants isn't what they need. <laughs> Uh, and, you know, something that maybe we all yeah. could use a lesson on yeah. in our real Especially, lives. Yeah.
2: Uh, I do also find we kind of live in an age where it's, it's nihilistic jokes are up there. I make a lot of them, too. But so many people, it's just fun to make depression jokes. It's fun to people make jokes about how they want to die. But it's like, you know, at the end of the day, like, yeah, there's a lot of really horrible things out there. But the world is also a really beautiful place. And it would suck to just miss that because you're just so set on missing it, you know. So I like anything that tries mm-hmm. to encourage people not to do that.
1: Totally. There was a great quote by Viola Davis, because I had just seen Ma Rainey Mm. before the movie. And then I see the movie and it literally, it was what she had just said. There's a difference between having a goal and having a purpose. And then I watched So, and I was like, oh, okay, so this is the feature film of that quote (laughs) right there. Um, Yeah, highly recommend it as well.
0: So, from probably the most family-friendly pick on any of our lists to the least family-friendly pick, my number seven is Borat. Yes. Subsequent movie are you even so wholesome? Uh, <laughs> family film,
2: <laughs> father daughter.
0: It, yeah, it, totally. Yeah, it's it's got that wonderful story of a of father daughter bond and going on a journey together. It's like <laughs> yeah, a road exactly. trip movie, right? right? Yeah. Borat doesn't need to be explained or, or introduced, does he? It's <laughs> this iconic singular character and. Nobody is making this type of comedy in the way that Sasha Baron Cohen does. And to me, I think the uniqueness of this, the singularity of his talent is something that I, I wanted to celebrate and wanted to appreciate because, you know, there's a lot of movies we may get in a year, but we are not getting another movie like Borat in quite some time. And I think the way that he's able to interweave this vulgar prank comedy with these deeper ideas about uh, American like r- racism or prejudice mm-hmm. or unwillingness to acknowledge the evil that lurk lurks within us is so clever. I just am in awe of his ability to to handle both. And this movie not only has him doing those performances, but it's got Maria Bakalova in an amazingly comedic performance, just keeping up with him, going toe-to-toe in, on every comedic level. I enjoyed this one so much and I thought about it so much. It's sticking with me, so I it it earned a spot on my top ten list. Even though I ha- did not have it, at ranked very highly when I first saw it. But I couldn't get this movie off my mind, so it's grown a lot in my estimation. And yeah, I'm happy that I have it at number seven. Dope. I'm really hoping
1: she wins that Globe, and I'm hoping yeah. Borat Three takes place online. Like he got <laughs> into that stuff about misinformation. We know how Sasha is as well. That'd be dope. An entire hey uh, uh, Borat Three. In the next category, all on screens. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just him online trying to do stuff. But yeah. yeah,
0: A mix between searching
1: and Borat. Searching for Borat. (laughs) Searching
2: for
1: (laughs) All right. All right. What's your number six? I saw a buttload of documentaries this year, guys. So many. Some of my favorites will end up in our series list because they are miniseries but there's one documentary that i saw at the beginning of the year that has survived all the way up to the end it was my favorite um of the fest at sundance the narrative ended up being a little bit higher but out of dick johnson is dead which is fantastic whirly bird which also played at sundance a cost of my home is some of the most beautiful cinematography i've seen like, like that movie can be seen in silence and you could just follow along with what's going on finding Yingying Ying broke me Welcome to Chechnya, one of the best, um, and Cane Fire, probably a little tiny one that not a lot of people have seen, but I hope they get the chance to. But on Apple TV, you can watch Boy State right Hell now. Yeah. And yes. this was one of the best just first watch experiences because I always talk about watching things with press. I'm We're blessed, privileged, <laughs> all of it, to be in there with the press lines to be able to have access but damn, they're boring, bro. Yeah. Like they're so boring. There's no <laughs> energy in there. I'm not asking for the midnight rars that, that they do uh, for no, the late show. Something under the bit cell of energy. phone scrolling. <laughs> Y'all know what you know what I'm talking. Amanda <laughs> <Yeah>, Spencer, <yeah, laughs> we, sit, we sit together for a lot of screenings. She knows what I'm talking about man i had a connection with everybody there in that screening we stayed through the credits we looked at each other like we just sat through an experience um and i absolutely loved boy state just the way that they were able to break down the documentary and who they were following from this actual uh what would you call it like camp
0: political camp it's like
2: it's like weird it's like it's like model un but it's literally just building an entire but for politics, american yes, politics yes, it's horrifying zach like <laughs> it's a- it really is
1: american politics just being reenacted through these kids and seeing what will always happen we've gotten a lot of political films throughout this year but i think this is one of the best ones because you're just seeing it from these boys who just they want to be like kind of but they also some of them want to do the right thing and some of them are willing to do anything to be able to win Mm -hmm. i found it fascinating they say they're working on a girl state because that is also a camp that they have down there in texas um, i highly recommend it i highly recommend it and i highly recommend it it has stuck with me shout out renee uh oh yeah, i'm, yeah, renee. I'm will, willing to fund you whenever you start <laughs> uh
0: you know art i kind of think we should host a podcast together we're completely in line yes! i have voice state number six <laughs> also uh this is a great documentary in every sense that you would want one to be. I think it's a a riveting story where you just get brought into this election, even if it's like a, a faux election at this camp and you you really want to find out the outcome, but you also get introduced to these characters and they're mm. these deeply diverse, interesting people who so have bad. these differing political philosophies and how they handle the situation is different. And it the way that it speaks to a larger idea and how it reflects the frustrations we have with our own political process i just think this documentary works on so many levels it's so well done Mm -hmm. so well made shouts out to amanda mcbain and jesse moss killed it mm -hmm. excellent documentarians and again i'll use this as a chance to shout out jesse moss's previous documentary the overnighters which stunning as well so yeah look i'm gonna watch any documentary these two make because they they're Killing it right now, hundred percent. Yeah, I love
2: Boy uh, State. Like
0: this, so yeah, you got Boy yeah. State at six. I got Boy State at six. Amanda, I know you like Boy mm-hmm. State a lot as it, well. It,
2: it's <laughs> terrifying. It? Put it at it's at Yeah, it's not <laughs> my number six, but it is. Ta- it was terrifying. It was kind of terrifying, like especially <laughs> yep. like as a as a Canadian and and watching in and like there's people just <laughs> they'll go off and like honestly, some of what scared me the most was when I just kind of looked up a couple of them after the fact and it's like. What you were fighting for isn't even remotely close to what you believe in or what you how you act in real life. Mm-hmm. Like, why were you being a mini Ben Shapiro? Like, I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> like, it's, it's kind of wild. It's what but... happens
1: when you're with a bunch of people. Yeah, influence exactly.
2: You. Ugh, it was wild. But yeah, no, definitely, definitely worth the time. It's not something I thought I would have been interested in, but like, it really just grips yeah. you from the beginning.
0: Yeah. Shout out feels good, man. Mm, that was a doc I, a I forgot. One.
2: That's not a good one.
0: Yeah, similar in a lot of ways. Uh, I rewatched Boys State closer to its release this summer, and it man, that movie gave yeah. me a panic attack. We were still pre election, and uh, the world was exploding. It felt like everything was coming to an end it's and like Boys State. The reflected kids aren't going to so. be all right. Man, shout out to that movie. <laughs> nope. Felt. Nope. The kids aren't going
2: to be all right, my number All six. All right, so what is your number go six? I too far into it, and honestly, this should be further down on my list, but this is where I'm going to leave it. I know, I think it's higher on yours. Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always. What a, just a beautiful movie out of Sundance. Uh, I thought it was really yep. interesting that this year we got two movies about uh, a teenager getting pregnant and then having to travel across state lines to <laughs> get an abortion because that's what this one's about. Mm. That's what I'm pregnant is about. They could not be more tonally different, even though they're dealing with the exact same issues. I actually also really liked Unpregnant, but it's that one's definitely more the like fun with your friends pregnancy movie, and this is the. I know it sounds (laughs) horrible, but and then this is the. It's true. And this is the. This is exactly how difficult it is for you to get care in this situation, and it's like a very real fly on the wall movie where you're just following um, this girl who needs an abortion and her cousin who's coming along with her and the things they have to go through in New York City, staying out alone all night when they don't have money to stay anywheres, and uh, just the things that they have to do to get it done and the little unspoken moments, like the there's like a hand-touching moment. There's a couple of them actually, but there's one really significant mm-hmm. one that made a lot of people being like, I don't understand why they didn't talk about that. It's like they didn't need to because everything that needed to be said was in that hand-touch. Uh, it's a very... beautiful movie uh super super well made uh and i recommend everyone check it out but that's all i'll say now because i'm sure it's higher on zach's list could be wrong but i
0: i think you're right all right uh i said my number six is boy state so we're on to your number five i believe you
1: called us a jeff bezos (laughs) snuff (laughs) film yes (laughs) <laughs> sorry we missed you by Ken Loach was recommended to me by the one Carsten runquist at a uh, TIFF 2019 Good he play. said dude have you seen this movie i was like nah i missed it what's it called he said sorry we missed you <laughs> he, i think you'd really like it it is out on the Criterion channel
0: um which i highly
1: recommend one of the best services
0: uh, out there and a bit of a flex if your movies like yeah i'm new but i'm yeah, on criterion exactly. already like We're serious here, guys. What
1: more do I need to do to pitch it? (laughs) This is a crazy drama talking about the gig economy over in uh, the UK. And in particular, just Ken Loach hating anything to do with capitalism whatsoever. (laughs) Um, If you thought Kelly was on their neck, this man has like, he's choking him like Bart Simpson with Homer (laughs) and Bart. Uh, I absolutely uh, was floored by this movie. Um, this is, again, another director that I'm going back and just listening to him talk for hours. He, he's he got this energy. And when Zach and I were talking about this last night. He's searching up his filmography and he's like, 1966? <laughs> <laughs> he has been at it. Oh, wow. He is a master at his craft. He does not give a damn. And in a world where we have... Filmmakers having to make these deals with really big studios and properties and even now with streaming services. Um, there was another documentary called The Dissident that played at Sundance. I don't know if y'all heard. That director made Icarus for Netflix oh. and won them their first Oscar okay. that was able to get them everybody else to come work with them because they had their Oscar from Icarus. Well, the man made The Dissident. They told him, nah. <laughs> And nobody wants to take that movie. So you're getting to a point where you have movies that that certain services don't want to take because of, you know, their distribution and whatnot. Uh, Ken Loach will never give a damn about that. I don't know how he gets his funding, but he finds his funding and he makes the movies exactly how he wants them to be made. Sorry mm-hmm. We Missed You is a crazy family drama, but it's also just a – I
0: don't
1: know. How, how would you
0: describe it, Zach? <laughs> I mean, it's so authentic in its presentation. There's nothing performative about the way it's presented. There's not like these extremely pretty framed shots or these monologues with, you know, traditionally uh, big acting. Shouts to Debbie Honeywood, who plays Abby in this film, who broke my heart more than once. She has a couple moments where she's expressing her anger and Whereas in most films, that's a moment for an actor to take a deep breath and really deliver at the top of their lungs. You sh- you get to feel how exasperated she is, how overwhelmed with emotion she is, how to express her anger is actually heartbreaking to her because she doesn't allow herself to go there in a lot of moments. It, it, this is a movie that just grabs your heart and tugs it out of your chest. You know, it just like it it it, <laughs> it gets to this point at the end where something sad is happening and you kind of think well, they need a couple scenes to resolve it and instead it just ends it just leaves you on the unhappy note um, not exactly a feel good watch no. but I think it's the movie we need for talking yeah. about the gig economy and how how it is devastating a lot of low wage workers and there's
1: been a couple like it like Lapsus is the sci-fi version of that Nomadland is a version of that uh, there's been various movies that have been like getting at this idea of how you know we're, we're just becoming rats to a bigger system where it's the robot you yeah. know like in the movie there's there's no one you could complain to because it's just whatever your marker yep. is I've done Amazon uh, deliveries as well so I understand the usefulness and I understand how this helps a lot of people but there's also no checks and balances pretty much and it, it's become a crazy rat race sorry we missed you over on criterion It is an exclusive along with uh young Ahmed which I would also add there to the list Criterion's actually building up to be a really good streaming uh, service that doesn't just have classics it's got some pretty good new
0: ones as well nice absolutely all right Amanda where are you at with number five
2: this is a movie that has been kind of like moving around my tops list so I figure you know five's a good place for it Black Bear yeah yeah this was my first watch at sundance of this year uh i saw it with uh with caitlyn actually so like <laughs> that was my first watch and it was just like there's sometimes you see movies and they start off your your festival experience and you're like how are we going to get back up to this <laughs> level that I just reached of insanity and it it's it's just basically it's hard to explain the movie. It's one of these ones that I don't really want to explain because I feel like the more um. blind you go into the experience, yeah, the better it is. Just know that this is probably the most like Aubrey Plaza role that's ever been written for her that she that she acts in and you get to see a very full spectrum of her character where, Mm -hmm. you know, at one point she's just... It's basically every single piece of conversation is instead of trying to disarm people the way you normally do, it's almost like you're trying to antagonize the person. And instead of just giving into those um, conversational politeness things that people will usually do just to make things run smooth, she just goes the opposite way to always keep whoever she's talking to on their feet. And then it descends into this crazy breakdown area where it literally it, everybody thought she was joking in the Q&A afterwards because we were fortunate enough to get a QA. and a where she said this movie like ruined my life, like in this movie emotionally and physically kind of like destroyed me because some of the scenes were just so intense and I'm sure it was still a slight exaggeration, but some of those scenes were just so intense to film and, and the most intense one actually got pushed up on the schedule without her knowing because it started raining, so they had to switch the schedule around and it's just one of those things that she had to give herself so into certain aspects of the role and like you can really see that on screen and then it's like it ends up making this weird like multi-level meta in a movie that's already kind of going a multi-level meta it's like it has comedic aspects it's a thriller it gets horrific at times but more just in the way that it's going to make you feel the anxiety more so than being a horror um, but yeah, I think it's definitely worth the watch if you're in the mood for something a little bit different, uh, and if you're somebody who's okay, just not having a solid, constructed movie yeah. that's gonna feel like it has a solid point A to C.
1: There's no real answers. It's like a Rorschach, I would say. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I mean, Zach it's could, however you yeah. want to
2: take. There's multiple ways you can take it, and however you want to take it is probably right. What is the and black the, bear to yeah. you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what is the like
1: for you? But uh, we know yeah. the direct like that. We've been following the director and like his background. Mm-hmm. I know Zach can speak on it more because y'all are practically friends. <laughs>
0: <laughs> our our parents go to the same Turkish restaurant. That's that's not friends, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Lawrence Amazing. Michael Levine does these really great uh, films where he's able to get you to these really uncomfortable conversations that feel natural, right? I think mm-hmm. sometimes a fight in a movie doesn't feel like it got there organically, but the, the snide little comments and the little digs that people have at one another and the ways that they will push on different characters, push on one another's boundaries in this movie is so uncomfortable and tense, but real. Uh, I mm-hmm. love so much about this movie. I, I definitely want to uh, give it yet another rewatch because it's so good. Yeah. I want to wanna one. I it has one. many layers to it.
1: I yeah, absolutely haven't compiled the list of actors and actresses which i know is something we want to work on probably closer to the oscars Mm -hmm. i think she's i think she may be in my top five she has been underrated i think you know because we really like her we enjoy her and like you said
2: it's for riley
1: though (laughs) 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 uh, uh, 2020 and as a whole you gotta get it 2020 is just top five yeah of it I feel always takes up a lot of what we see in her performance but we forget that she is still a really great actress and I think this yes. really mm-hmm. showcased it and I know this that that's something it. that the director really saw when they worked together on Easy was that no she actually does take this stuff seriously and um, mm-hmm. I think she knocked it out of the park in this one Absolutely, She's
0: great in Happiest Season but I think a lot of her performance in Happiest Season is derived from her actual real life charisma and energy yes. whereas I think in Black Bear, she goes to some places that don't seem like they're part of her real life personality that Absolutely. surprised me as someone who was a fan of her, but doesn't always get to see her do capital A acting, right? Mm-hmm. I got to buy this I movie. Agree. We got to make a Let Us that. Explain. I mean, we gotta have to have a spoiler discussion <laughs> <laughs> together on it. this one for sure. Have me on. Have me Absolutely. on. Sure. Okay. Top 15 for me. We will. We will okay. do that. All right. uh, From one of your favorite female performances of the year to one of your favorite male performances of the year, my number five is Bad Education with Hugh Jackman. Uh, I think we'll talk about it a little bit more later, so I'll save some of my thoughts.
2: I always forget that that was 2020.
1: I know. I'm so happy it's on his list. I didn't think it would be on his list. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Look, it's a movie that i think really does reward uh the more you pay attention to it the more that i've revisited it i I just find so many layers to it there is the surface Mm -hmm. story about this embezzlement scandal at a school in long island but i think when you get at the shared culpability of the people who are in this world and the ways in which the it's a Comedy of politeness in a lot of ways where people don't want to say the yep. thing they're really thinking is so <sighs> funny to me. There's a lot that I really love about this movie. Yeah. So yeah, we talked about it a lot this year on this channel. We've Ava let us explain. Shout out to Corey Finley who joined us for that. <laughs> but it's a great movie. I'm glad to get another chance to talk about it whenever you bring up bad education, maybe at number four.
1: No, a little higher. <laughs>
0: But I agree with you. We only do interviews with
1: people we like. Like, that's the thing. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. not the, oh, we did an interview. We like the movie. No, we only say yes. Zach was telling me, yo, uh, Cobra Kai season three, we got it early. You want any interviews? I was like, real much. Nah, I'll see you later. He won't age. <laughs> I only want to talk to somebody if I really love what they did. And we did like, what, two, three interviews this year. I know y'all were able to talk to the Palm Spring boys. Um, mm-hmm. But this and what was your top 10 doc um this one was fantastic i'm gonna talk about it a little bit but yes i agree with i'm so happy it's on your list man i didn't think it was gonna make it Uh, yeah it's one of my favorite performances too with hugh
2: yeah i caught it at tiff so i keep forgetting yeah and i hate both of you guys i I hate both of you guys for catching it at tiff
1: because i did
0: it
2: good it would be in my top 10
0: (sighs) yeah Okay, cool. We 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 all really like Bad Education. I think that's a great movie again with one of the best performances of 2020. And it's so. on HBO Max,
1: but when you mm-hmm. also saw it at TIFF, it was still Oscar eligible until HBO picked it up. But hey,
0: at least it's available for everyone to watch. Right. So what Shiva what is baby is, your is my num- number
1: 4. A comedy made Wait. it onto the top 10 list. This is out of the park. Now this comes out in March. <laughs> but when we talked about it, I think TIFF had a release for it virtually. Indie Memphis had a release mm-hmm. for it, virtually. When we brought it up on Intercut mm-hmm. and we brought it up on the LME streams, we started seeing all of our followers start watching it, and nothing was better than that. To talk about a movie that was at a festival, mm-hmm. that they could literally right. click the link in the description and start mm-hmm. watching it. It was playing absolutely everywhere. I saw it twice. <laughs> it was just mm-hmm. playing at all of these different virtual festivals. So it's like, it's fully not out, but I loved that experience of seeing people be able to catch it because you weren't able to you weren't going to get a nomad land link it was very hard to get one night in miami but there were so many shiva baby links it would should have premiered at south by um didn't get the chance to but it will be out for everyone next march bro it is in my top five absolutely adored this movie this is a comedy on the next level i loved this uh, movie i loved it
2: i didn't think it counted I, yeah, thought so, way in, I thought it was way in. I thought it was so far to twenty twenty one that it didn't count, so I didn't put it in my top ten. This easily would have been in my top ten.
0: I know. I go up to March. What would it be? Yeah, like I, I also I didn't we have January. it counting to my twenty twenty list. But <sighs> look, are, you make a I good point. Like this is a unique yeah. year in which a movie that's mm-hmm. on the festival circuit actually is available for a lot of audiences. Go check Letterboxd. You know, we, <laughs> Yeah it's, pretty, it's, yeah, it's more accessible than ever, even if it isn't necessarily like a full theatrical release. So I don't know. You're bending the rules a little bit, but I'm, uh, I'm not going to complain. If it were to come out March 16th, yeah. then I do not count it. Amanda, we haven't had a chance to talk with you about Shiva Baby yet. What did, What did you think about it?
2: Oh, I loved it. I really didn't fully know what to expect going into it it had originally been on one Mm -hmm. of my uh festival lists but it took me a while to actually get the chance to watch it sadly just because i'm in canada there were some weird restrictions with some of the links so it took a while to actually get it uh but it was so good like i knew it was something that was on my radar for south by but then it got canceled so that Mm -hmm. just didn't end up happening but oh my god like what a it's one of those movies that if like literally 10 years ago, wouldn't have been able to watch it. I couldn't handle that kind of like anxiety. But yeah. now, especially where I have the ability to just shut it off and I'm not in a theater watching it, but like, oh my God. And like, it all comes down to that. Again, a handhold at the end that just brought it together for me. I was like, oh my God, it's beautiful. But oh my. Also, who just dis- disrespects Diana Agron like that? No spoilers, but I just need to know. But Bru- yeah, holy.
1: Ugh. It's happiest season to the next level. It is. So if you liked Happiest Season in <laughs> like 2020, get ready for this movie in 2021.
2: Except the cat's already out of the bag, but it's just exactly. one of these things that it's, all like, it's not discussed. Oh. It's just like no funny business. It's great, <laughs> it's man. The like, performance is mean, just all around.
1: Uh, yeah, the, the, the rewatchability is fantastic I, in this movie. It
2: felt real, too. It felt very real. Like the, 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 the way the characters acted, it, like I find Absolutely. a lot of times it feels theatrical and I'm okay with coming of age stories where the characters seem like way cooler than teenagers could ever actually (laughs) be I'm like this is fine I like this this felt very real with the conversations of like what are you doing it's like oh well you know it's like we're just lining up some interviews and it's just like the conversations so many of us have had with family members when it's like what are you doing with your life and it's like
0: (laughs) are you (laughs) dating anybody
2: exactly it's all those questions and it's just ah, it was so it felt real but in a good way
0: I think one of the marks of a really good filmmaker is when even those characters who show up for maybe 30 seconds and have one line of dialogue feel like a fully realized person. Right. Yes. And every single character feels like somebody you might run into at one of these family gatherings. I mean, maybe not everybody, but at least me with a very Jewish family, I, I <laughs> have run into these types of people at many family gatherings. So, uh, I, yeah, it, it's a, a world that is very anxiety filled, uh, mm-hmm. but feels so authentic. And is so funny. Uh, I, shiva is great i'm sure we're going to talk about it more on intercut as we get closer to its actual theatrical release sure. Arturo. <laughs> that
2: was so good I'm, i've never been more offended when somebody just pulls out a name for a movie like that i was like what do you mean <laughs> <laughs> shiva baby how you do uh because that was i was even going to ask about that when i was like no like people are still harassing me on letterboxd about how i watched it like there's no way it's anywhere soon and Either eh, way, I'm glad we talked about put it. it. On. I thought that was yeah. going to be one of my, like, keep an eye out for this movie. But, yeah, so keep an eye out for this movie. <laughs> Definitely. Right, so now it's uh, my number four, mm-hmm. I
0: think? I think so, yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, I feel like this is probably going to be higher on at least one of your lists, maybe. Uh, Minari. Minari.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Just, We're going to talk about that more, so.
2: I would assume, yeah. So I won't go into too many details, but just really beautiful, beautiful movie. Uh, very confused as to where it's being classified in certain awards shows because Ugh. it is a very, very American story about the American dream and uh, the in the immigrant family. Um, but yeah, really, really beautiful. But I'll save the rest for when we talk about it more.
0: Fair, very cool. Uh, my number four is a movie that I'm also expecting to show up maybe on some of your lists. Is promising young woman going to be talked about later in this podcast?
2: I left it off just because we did the entire thing. It would have been. It was. That's one of those ones that's circling my top fifteen. It's.
1: It's in my top twenty.
0: All right, so I guess about it. It's up to me. I really (laughs) dug promising young woman. I. I love the dark world created by Emerald Fennel here. The way she's able to evoke this common uh, idea but turn it into this suspenseful uh, interaction is is so interesting here and I love reworking the idea of a revenge movie to be about uh, a sexual assault a moment in the past I I think it talks about these issues in a way that's so interesting and dynamic and I think does actually give credence to the real trauma that a lot of these things are Create, uh, but it's done in such a f- entertaining package. Carrie Mulligan is so electric here in the role of Cassie. The cast is stacked with really great performances. Mm-hmm. A lot from comedic actors that I like. Bo Burnham is so good in this movie. I, I just good. was both entertained and intellectually stimulated. It hasn't really left my thoughts since I got to watch it somewhat recently. I I really dug Promising Young Woman. I think it's going to be one of the movies that we think about a lot looking back at 2020.
1: I agree with you. This is why, to me, a top 10, I'll do the top 10. But to me, every year's Mm -hmm. got a top 30. There is more than 10 movies every year that are going to stick with you. This is going to stick with me for sure. Just, you know, these are the 10 that I love the most. But that's still a top 20 for me. The rewatchability on that. um, And I'm just interested for it to still get released. Because that's still one that the general public hasn't been able to weigh in on a discourse that has changed so much since Sundance. So... Uh, yeah, they're starting be good. to
2: because it it did release in theaters five days theaters, ago theaters yeah. Christmas Day so like yeah so I could watch it here again now if I wanted to um, but I, I am I'm already seeing different discourse like somebody uh, that I watch a lot on on YouTube ended up getting like a screener for it and and she loved it and she didn't really know that there was kind good. of like these mixed ideas of discourse going on in the background so I am really hoping that we get these kind of like yeah. genuine watches that I know some people um, just kind of talking to a couple people thought that the movie was kind of going to be something else sometimes when you go into these um something that you think is a revenge movie you're kind of hoping for a certain outcome but like this isn't something this isn't supposed to be like an empowerment movie necessarily like it has moments where she has she has a lot of power of the situation but you're supposed, supposed to really kind of like walk away from it being like She's kind of destroying her life on this path. This isn't something that you're supposed to be idealizing. This isn't something right. that you're supposed to be like this is so badass. It's supposed to be kind of horrifying how far she's willing to go to yeah. to do these things and how much she's willing to sacrifice. So I think if you go into it with that expectation, doesn't mean you're going to like it, but it does mean it does mean you're not going to be painting it with a brush that's just not the right brush, you know?
0: Yeah, I definitely good think point. she's more anti-hero than hero here. Mm-hmm.
1: Shut up, yeah. Fano. She There's killed her. bro. Seats. She is
2: great. So good. So good.
0: Yeah. Definitely one to watch for whenever she makes another movie. Mm-hmm. all right art i think we are at your top three my top three now if i was
1: part of the la circle i would consider this whole thing one movie with small acts but i will be <laughs> honest i loved lovers rock i loved mangrove those would probably be again collectively in my top 50 movies that i would keep um education i'd say gets even more into the top 25 but if the Love one that, if i could only pick one to fit in here it is Red, white, and blue as my number three. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, the whole thing as a collective, I think everything that Steve McQueen did here is beautiful. Steve McQueen, five movies in one year, Zach, in the comfort of your own home. Steve McQueen, five (laughs) movies in the comfort of your own home. Um, They're movies. He said so. They played at film festivals. Count them all as one, I guess. Count them all as separate, Uh, but red, white, and blue I think is John Boyega's greatest performance. Uh, this is a movie that covers so much from the perspective of him trying to or thinking that he's going to make a difference by joining the force, whereas his father is doing the complete opposite in trying to get at the force for a wrong that was done to him. And he just wants to see his day in court, his justice. I don't understand how he packed so much into just an hour 10. Um, I've seen it three times. I'm sure education will get on higher the more that I rewatch that one as well. But this one very Mm -hmm. comfortably is sitting here as uh, one of the most powerhouse performances and some of the best directing that this man has done. Uh, And they all complement each other because that's the whole point of small acts. If you're the big tree, Mm -hmm. we're the small acts. And collectively, Mm -hmm. it's some of the most beautiful work that he's done. Uh, I love Steve McQueen. (laughs) I love him so much. Top three. So good. Red,
0: white, and blue. Yeah. Yeah, Amanda, I know you got to catch up with this one recently.
2: I did yeah I finished watching it like just before we started so I didn't have a, a lot of time to really think oh, nice. about how I would evaluate it in like the grand scheme of things but uh, yeah it was so it is mm-hmm. just one of those so many of these stories that they just stay with you when, when they're done um, I, I still have two more from the series to catch up with but uh, oh, okay. like I loved this yeah. I loved education so I haven't caught mangrove <sighs> so and good. I saw lovers rock what's the uh, other Alex one? Weedle yeah Alex Weedle, I haven't seen yeah. that one
1: I'm curious to see which one's Good. your favorite.
2: Uh, I think education as of right now is probably my top, but uh, red, white, and blue is like oh, their yeah. neck and neck. Like it's neck and neck, those two performances. Um, I was just, I'm just really taken by the, just the different levels of stories that he's going through and that he's, he's, he's just sharing with the world. Uh, and again, like Art said, five movies, five weeks in a pandemic. Like how the <sighs> mm-hmm. hell?
0: Yeah. What a yeah. gift. He's the best. Uh, You mentioned how Red, White, and Blue feels like a movie that really sticks with you, and I think a lot of that is from that ending, which is a little bit unresolved, but I think in the best way, where it leaves you kind of with the idea that this is a tough situation and there isn't an easy answer. And Mm -hmm. I I think that's the best way you could end a movie with as much internal conflict as I'm looking like at White the
1: endings of all the movies on our list. That's something we <laughs> really liked this year, didn't we? Endings that don't yeah. really have a positive
0: Yeah outcome you mean in a year where we all felt right. in limbo and not sure about our future we liked movies that had under undetermined endings it's crazy you'd man think it'd but, be the opposite uh,
2: you'd think that we'd like the finality somewhere <laughs> you know
0: but i don't know
1: there's something to it it's like zach said earlier in the year where we all felt the need to watch contagion for comfort what were we thinking i don't know <laughs> but i i think there's something in these endings still that uh it leaves us to ponder them and to think about them and i think that makes them more effective than it tying it up in a bow because then it would throw away Absolutely. everything the movie was setting up. You're wearing a top
2: three. What you guys got? Amanda. Mine's going to be uh, a Karsten Rundquist, might be the only person who agrees with me. I got Kajillionaire at number three. Bro, I thought
0: you were going to say Long yes.
2: Toast is my favorite. No. <laughs> 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 No, I love Kanjillinar. I just I, I recently great. rewatched it again and it actually pushed it up more on my list. Nice. I actually enjoyed it more I'm so glad. rewatching it cuz sometimes you rewatch things and you're like it doesn't have the same impact as it did the first time, but you notice more of the little subtle things that they're going for in the storytelling when you watch it the second time and the little ways That's like cool. when you know where the story's going, the little mannerisms and how things are how things should be taken and like how somebody who can be treated as an adult their entire life still ends up so stunted because they weren't given that proper childhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a movie, it stars uh, Evan Rachel Wood uh, and Gina Rodriguez, and I can't, I would, God, now I feel better. Richard Jenkins. Thank you, Richard Jenkins. Can't remember the mom's name. I'm so sorry, ma'am. But it's really all, for me, it's all about uh, Evan Rachel Wood and... Gene Killed Rodriguez. It. Uh, and it, yeah, they're basically it's like a con family. And they're the whole life. They've just been splitting things three ways, which is not how you have a family. You know, parents are providers, not three way splitters, you know, but that's how they've been. They've just they're fine skimming off the top they're, they don't trust society. They don't trust 401ks and retirement <laughs> stuff. So, even though they could make more working less, they're happy just to basically spend all of their time trying to scam their way around situations. And then they end up in a situation where they come across Gina really, Rodriguez's character. That's so interesting. And she starts, yeah, interacting her way in. And then, you know, Evan Rachel Wood's character is like, why can't you treat me that way? And it's just, it's so heartbreaking in so many ways. But then again, it's mm-hmm. one of those ones that it's like little little moments, little handholds, little looks, little little interactions that really just bring it together and it's uh it was really beautiful and it definitely held up for me on repeat viewing and i'm excited to see it again i really loved it by uh miranda july, miranda mm-hmm.
1: july. deborah winger by the way yeah. is the actress yeah um De- Thank yeah, Mar- you. miranda july i need to go back and watch more of her movies what would you what would you guys consider this like what what genre i mean
0: that's it is drama? kind of a comedy but it is that's such interesting a, like a, that's interesting it's such a because it has a lot of comedy, folksy yeah. comedy.
1: When you all say yeah. comedy, when you all say drama, I agree. I had it under like a heist thriller. <laughs> That's what it was to me.
2: Well, yeah, it starts with a barrel roll, so right. Because
1: like, it's, <laughs> it, it's, it's like just
2: little things. It's it's quirky. It's yeah, fun. I think indie comedy charm. Yeah, but it's yeah, like heist, a, heist has the right feel too.
1: They're con artists, but it's not just the con <laughs> isn't just the stuff they're trying to get. It's also a con within the family, and like. I remember we all, I think we all got to catch it together at Sundance and we left like, Whoa, that was really interesting in the midst of hearing all these people complain about it. Kajillionaire. That would look like it was worth $3, not Kajillionaire.
0: I
2: was like, (laughs) (laughs) What? I saw it alone, actually. Oh, you didn't see it with us? I, I I wasn't with you guys. You dropped me off, and it was like a weird morning where like everybody was running late, and you were like, don't worry, Amanda, we'll get you to your movie on time. <laughs>
1: okay, well, I'm glad we got, I'm glad to I got you to it. Um, yeah,
2: you got me to my yeah. movie. No, it was a really meaningful thing overall because Evan Rachel Wood touched my shoulder, so it was like a whole experience <laughs> for me. It was great. <laughs> yeah,
0: I really like it. Uh Shouts out to Carson, who we've mentioned a few times. He's basically the fourth guest on this podcast, but... Uh, we were talking to him about this movie and I I described it as like almost like too beautiful for this world. There's just this precious quality to these characters and the kind of story it's trying to tell that like, it makes me want to protect it. It's a little, it's, I don't know. I I really dug the kind of story of nature versus nurture that uh, Miranda July is crafting here. It's Mm -hmm. really beautifully told. I liked it a lot. Uh, So I'm glad that you put it on your list. It was maybe going to be one of my, uh, little gems that I don't want to forget about. For sure. So I'm glad that you brought it up on the bigger top 10 list. Yo, our boy gave it five stars. (laughs) You think he liked it?
2: That's why I said, I think, yeah, I think he liked it. That's why I knew he'd agree with me.
0: (laughs) All right. So my number three is the movie that probably brought me the most joy out of any movie this year. I've rewatched it several times. It's something that I think will be a staple of lazy afternoons where I need something Pleasurable on it's Palm Springs the wow. Andy Samberg oh. Kristen Miladi, film from Max BarbaCow and okay. Andy Sierra f- previous guests of the Intercut podcast there you go. Max BarbaCow and Andy Sierra look this is just a really well crafted comedy with an interesting premise I, I love all the. Ingenuity in approaching The Groundhog Day idea but Expanding it because you have These two people who go into the time loop Together and the way that the movie Goes through different phases where It's kind of like goes through the Depression and Mm -hmm. and denial of The situation and then the eventual Acceptance and exploring like How would you actually deal With this situation I I think It just kept giving you interesting Moments throughout plus it's got A great cast I think One of the things about these movies is that often it's so dependent on the lead male uh, to to carry the movie, but you have Kristen (sighs) Bellati who is just giving the best (sighs) perform comedic performance of the year in this movie. Uh, It it is the movie feels like it's missing something whenever she leaves screen. She's so good. I I I just loved every second of this movie. There's so many dumb little jokes that I find myself (laughs) thinking. Even a line that, like, doesn't even come across as a a joke. Like, he glues teeth (laughs) is just stuck in my brain. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I I love... I love Palm Springs. I love this movie. I think... Comedies sometimes are not given the full credit for how hard True. they are to craft, True. how hard mm-hmm. it is to just keep the jokes coming and keep it feeling fresh. And and this was the standout comedy to me in 2020 in a year that actually had several good comedies.
2: I agree. I would totally agree. Uh, I, I did really like it. it. It didn't quite make my top 10, but that's one of those ones that would have been swirling near the top. And and I do, I, I totally agree. And I, I also classify it as one of those give a shit movies. It's it's one mm-hmm. of those ones that were the post-adolescent coming of age where you're just kind of trying to figure things out and realizing that, hey, it's not all useless. So uh, I'm a <laughs> big fan of that one too.
1: I think this one will awesome. grow on me because it's the Lonely Island Boys just a couple of years yeah. ago. Mm-hmm. They also had another Sundance pick. That is one of my favorite of all time. Brigsby Bear, right? So it's like yep. I can see myself rewatching this one and and uh, liking it more and more. I love Christian Miliati, but uh like Zach said, like we said, we don't do interviews with somebody unless we really like them. So Zach, <laughs> I, I shouldn't even be surprised. He was on board yeah. to have them on, uh, <laughs> and they have a great. Let us explain up. So yeah, check this one. It's on Hulu, right?
0: Yeah, on Hulu. Yeah. So easy to rewatch. And this
2: uh, in Canada, Amazon Prime. Oh, oh cool. Good okay. to know. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Art, I think we've arrived at your number two. Let's talk about Bad Education. Um, Awesome.
1: I think this is one of the best male lead performances of the year. And I think we have a stacked male performance, uh, you know, from Lindo to Hopkins to Bozeman to Riz. I would have added Hugh in there, but hey, he uh, he got the Emmy nomination at least. Um, But... I absolutely adored this movie because every time I watch it, I'm capturing something new as someone who worked at a school and had a mom who worked (laughs) within the school district as well. Yeah, (laughs) this is a this is Goodfellas, but it's happening in a school. (laughs) Watch it. The writer went to the school in which this real life case happened. Yeah, Um, right. We have, we have a whole interview. We have a whole LME. It was one of my favorite LMEs. It, those are one of those videos where even if it doesn't end up like blowing up, it's like I don't, I'm I'm talking about a movie I absolutely adore. Mm-hmm. I think this is one of the best of the year, and I really wish it would have been in contention for Oscars. And now that we enter the streaming service, I think we're going to look back once rules change maybe in the future, and we're going to go like, damn, how many movies were considered Emmy TV movies instead of actually getting um, the recognition they could have gotten at a bigger platform
0: yeah it, it's one of those frustrating things when people try to delineate like this is cinema this is tv this is the like, number two it doesn't movie matter
2: yeah
0: yeah it, it's a great movie and it doesn't matter that it was on a streaming service uh or, or on hbo the channel that's not no, y'all it's ridiculous. still just <laughs> it's just a great movie and I, yeah. I think uh you know the fact that it was one of the standouts from tiff also speaks to that
1: alice and jamie yeah, like this
0: movie a lot we, we've yeah, talked it's about it's this movie a lot. There's plenty stacked. of content to go oh, watch to see oh, us talk about it bad more. Bad Education, number two.
2: All right. My number two, another top male lead performance. I'm going with Sound of Metal. Ooh. This is just one of those ones that I haven't been able to get out of my head since I watched it. And I'm so glad I took the time to. I'm still bummed I, I didn't get to see it in, in a theatrical. Bro,
1: tip-headed on IMAX.
2: I know I didn't know that, but I'm just I'm always like super drawn to these uh, anything with music. I really like a lot of stuff that deals with kind of like that, uh, you know, counterculture or whatever, like punk, metal, hardcore, whatever that kind of stuff. And it's just um, it's just this like really beautiful story, but it, it, it subverts expectations in so many ways. Like it sets stuff up to to make you think like, oh, it's going to just go down this direction. He's going to do this. They're going to do that. But it never ends up happening. But then in a way, it kind of does mm-hmm. um, just not to, to spoil it, but it's just, you know, it's um, I don't even know if that would spoil it, but it's it's basically about a metal drummer who ends up losing his hearing and uh, mm-hmm. has to go through trying to, you know, learning to to be someone who who is deaf uh, and has, you know, learned the sign language and everything and then um, trying to reconcile with that before kind of getting obsessed with the idea of trying to regain his hearing in some way uh and Mm -hmm. it never quite reaching that level but the way that he's behaving he wasn't he was an addict and then kind of gets over it but in you're like he you never it kind of really subverts expectations of when you have addicts or ex-addicts in movies but then in a way it's kind of like he's still behaving like an addict in different ways but it's just a really, really powerful performance and uh, just one of those ones that, again, if, it doesn't necessarily have like the cleanest resolution, but it, it does as long as yeah. you know what it's going for. And it's just this beautiful, it's kind of, honestly, it's another one of those like soul moments. I actually saw the Letterboxd account compare it where like he's looking up at the sun and just he's outside on a beautiful day and he just kind of has like this moment um, where it just kind of shifts for him and then that kind of like sets off the movie to end it off Uh, i thought it was really beautiful i think it's definitely worth your time and it's on amazon if you're in canada or no sorry in america and have or have a vpn anywhere else
0: amanda's sound got a little bit wonky during the middle of that so it was a very experiential review of sound of metal it made me feel like (laughs) i I was also losing my hearing
1: underwater kind of like it did in the scene yeah because
2: it's yeah it's fine on my end so they didn't hear it but yeah yeah no i thought it was uh yeah, I thought it was a really beautiful movie and it's just stuck with me since I watched it.
0: We have a whole video. Absolutely, yeah. Exactly, we have a whole video talking about the merits mm-hmm. of this movie and I think it's a great example of one of those movies that introduces you to a culture that's not necessarily uh, depicted that often in mainstream mm-hmm. ways and I, I think just the way in which you, like Riz Ahmed's character, get brought into this community yeah. is so, uh, so riv- riveting and revealing and I, I, yeah, it's a remarkable movie.
2: Yeah, the sound uh, design—that's another thing I can't mention enough. Yeah, the mm. sound
1: design is great, and shout out Derek uh, or what was it Darius Smarter? He was going to mm. make something with Derek Siemprans with this, which is a little bit what we talked about. So it's it's got that meat and bones that uh, that I always look forward to. And Olivia Cook did great in it, yeah. and Paul mm-hmm. Risi, who I think may get a may get a uh, supporting nom. They've been really pushing him throughout the critic circles. Yeah.
0: My number two is. A movie that Amanda already mentioned. It was my number one when we did this back in July. It's never, rarely, sometimes, always. The uh, Liza Hittman vehicle about a pair of teenagers who are crossing state lines and in search of somewhere where they can get an abortion Uh, i think it's a really remarkable film Uh, we've talked about the restraint that eliza hitman has in telling the story and the the really lived in feel of it because it is so uh it feels like you're almost in a documentary the way that the camera just Hangs on these uh, people from a distance in many times, and how it gives you the chaotic feeling of being stuck in a city where you don't know really where you are or where to go. I-, I think it's so smart in the way that this movie is able to tell you a lot without explicitly saying any of it out loud, particularly through the never, rarely, sometimes, always scene that we've talked about a lot on this podcast because mm-hmm. it. it It gives you a really full picture of this character's life without really showing you much of her life. And it's remarkable filmmaking in that way, I think, uh, serves to humanize an issue that's often argued about in non-humanist ways. So I encourage anybody to check out this movie. I think it's remarkable and one of the standouts from this year. You know, it stuck with me since I first saw it at Sundance and I can't put this movie down. It's beautifully done shout out Eliza mm-hmm. Hitman. shout out Sydney yeah. Flanagan shout out oh Eliza Hitman. come on intercut pod you've liked a couple of our Instagram posts I want you to come on the podcast
2: <laughs> if she's yeah, listening everybody like everybody in that movie
0: they, they killed it uh, so good Talia Ryder who played the oh, cousin
2: the
1: cousin uh, y'all talked about yeah. that sequence between the two of them um, and it was funny that you mentioned uh, Unpregnant they're both on HBO yeah. <laughs> they're both on HBO Max I know. so you have your option to catch both uh,
2: that's great it's great
1: it's a fantastic movie.
0: I loved it. Mm-hmm. All right, it's time for our favorite movies of 2020. Art, right, you got to kick us off. What is the best film?
1: The best film from this year. The best American film. The best U.S. dramatic winning from the audience to the jury is "Bad Boys for Life." Uh, the newest <laughs> inst- <laughs> Minari. <laughs> Stuck with Mm -hmm. me so much so that that and Boy State were at the number one spot coming out of it. As I always say, you know, as you Mm rewatch stuff. I I saw the trailer and that was enough. I was just rewatching the trailer with my mom and that was enough. This movie is everything and then some. Mm -hmm. It's not out yet, so I don't know what more to say other than (laughs) it's my number one movie of the year. Everyone has been hyping it up through all of the festivals people are arguing it for people are arguing for it because of the globe stuff they haven't even seen it yet um it lives up to the hype is now it it used to be like oh we got to hype this up right i had a little video an lme as a review for it no one knows about it it's getting hyped up It's getting hyped up now it's just telling you believe the hype Mm -hmm. it hits on all the cylinders it's got comedy in it it's got drama in it it's a relationship movie it's a family movie it is an uh, immigrant story it's an american story Mm -hmm. what's it missing zach What more do you need in a film? I don't know. I was craving Mountain Dew after.
0: (laughs) All right, I think we should host a podcast together. I got Minari at number one as well. I loved this movie back at Sundance and it hasn't left that top spot for me. And I agree with you. It's a little bit hard to even talk about some of the pleasures of this movie because it is in some ways very ordinary. It's the story of this Korean American family who have bought a farm in Oklahoma hoping that this is going to give them the slice of the American dream that they desire and it's a little bit about getting uh, getting used to new surroundings but it's also just a little bit about like the small pleasures of life and the small moments that are very relatable in growing up i I think this movie is so so tender-hearted and earnest in its depiction of childhood that it just won me over and and, you know it all builds to this moment where where there's a little bit of chaos towards the end of the movie but i was in tears both times that i saw it. it it's just such a beautiful film such a well articulated story and i think sometimes when a movie is that good you can't really define what is magical about it it, it there is just a certain magic to uh what is it lee isaac chung's mm-hmm. movie here I, mm-hmm. I i was so so happy uh at, at the end of minari to have seen it I, i'm very eager for more people to get the chance to see it as it expands it it is one of these movies that is in this weird like 2020-2021 limbo but because it did get like a bit of a theatrical release, virtual theatrical release I I think I feel it's fair to cover it here because it's the movie we've been hyping up since January Mm -hmm. we've been talking about it on Intercut Mm Bud for 12 12 months now about how amazing this film is. It's going to be in the
1: 2020 festival circuit So good for the 2020 festival circuit so yeah easily Stephen Yoon knocked it out of the park he is doing a this isn't even his first time doing a bilingual performance bro bilingual (laughs) performance uh kind of like the half of it another movie that i really enjoyed that's on netflix that uh showcased um this duality of a character not only from a religious standpoint but also from their own you know introspective standpoint and and, uh, their own identity this movie doesn't judge all the religious aspects of it it is so rare to see a movie that is more lived in and is trying to understand all of the characters and the people who are here instead of judging them, instead of treating them like pawn pieces or something else because you get a lot of movies that feel like that. This is why – th- did I give this five stars, man? I really do think this is five <laughs> stars. Like, ah, uh, <laughs> it, it is one of the best of the year. It's beautiful. Best of the decade. Yeah, We're starting the decade, ladies and gentlemen. Let's talk yeah. about it right now. It's true, uh, this will be at the end of the decade. This will be at the
0: end of the decade.
2: I agree. Yeah. I agree.
0: Yeah, and we, we definitely are hoping that this is going to go a long way in terms of awards season. Cause it it's, should. It's, it's deserved. It deserves it. It should. Yeah.
2: And that's why it really bothers me that the Globes is literally ignoring just because of a language thing. They're ignoring It's an American-made movie. You can't just mm-hmm. decide that it's that it's not. Which is weird to me. I guess that it's a foreign language distinction. It was frustrating when they did that
0: for The Farewell, and it's doubly frustrating for doing it for Minari since that film takes place entirely in America. In in
2: America, like A Farewell, it's like, well, it's mostly in China, but still not the right place for it. But Minari is so American. It's so American. Uh, But that brings it down to me and my number one. In which I cheat and pick portrait of a lady on fire again. Man, you it's not released wide in twenty twenty. It's it only released in twenty twenty. That's the only way people could actually watch it. So it's my it's my number one.
0: That's fair. Yes. Uh, On a technicality, you get to pick portrait of a lady on fire. I told you, all
1: let them technicalities pass. Let's just talk about the stuff we love. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about it.
2: Like normally I want to try to like highlight things that, you know, I haven't talked about in in detail, which is why I bumped a couple of other Mm -hmm. things off this list because I've talked about them so many other times at this point. But portrait is just something that has stayed with me since I saw it. I saw it at at TIFF because of a mistake, actually. For some reason, I hadn't looked into it. And I just know that you and Alina mentioned you were seeing it that day. Mm -hmm. And it was right after I rewatched Honey Boy at TIFF and it was playing in the same auditorium. So I was like, oh, I guess I'll just swing back and meet up with them. And then I'm like waiting in line and I'm like... At the Bell Light Box, man, the perfect auditory oh, experience the, for the best something like though. Portrait. Oh, it's so good. It's just so, uh, it was beautiful. And I'm just sitting there alone because you're always like, no, we have tickets for it later. And I was seeing a press showing. I'm like, oh, no, that's totally fine. I don't mind because I had nothing scheduled at that time. And it was so beautiful. It was my first, one of the first day watches. It stayed with me ever since. I got the Criterion Blu-ray. Same. They release it in a, like in a 4K way. I'm going to get it in 4K. Like, it's so beautiful. It was, it's just, uh, I've talked about it so much. But if you haven't seen Portrait of a Lady on Fire yet, I absolutely you to do so uh just absolutely stunning and i'm still upset that france doesn't seem to understand it
1: and that's the main reason why i think it's worth talking about because again I've, i we've been saying this and now I, we're in it with these streaming services mm-hmm. you know now that neon put it on hulu that was a whole other yeah. you know if you didn't have an art house theater near you do you really think everyone's playing it no so it is available in america you know <laughs> when it was released yeah. in theaters, but it still wasn't really available to everybody. And I think to a lot of people, it split between 2019, 2020. It is a movie that deserves mentions all the time. Yeah. Uh, Cause yeah, Absolutely. France didn't submit it. They submitted uh, Les Miserables, which I, I really do enjoy. But um, to think it didn't get any Oscar recognition, but it was early 2020 <sighs> where they made their, their stamp, even walking out at that one mm-hmm. award show. Like this is a movie that's gonna last I for a long time.
2: that. Oh, love it. So yeah, I cheated. That's my number one. <laughs> all
1: good here all welcomed here (laughs)
0: yeah yeah. so looking back at the movies that we took in our best movies of 2020 so far list art you only kept two of your choices i only kept two of my choices amanda you only kept never rarely sometimes always from that list so despite Mm -hmm. the weird year that 2020 was we got we had 10 movies we loved back then and 10 more that we're talking about now Mm -hmm. there's Plenty of choices, and I think we had less overlap than I was expecting on our lists, too. Okay. So, to be fair, there, I went out
2: of my way to avoid some, but still,
0: yeah. I mean, I think we still were able to talk about plenty of really interesting movies that came out in, in this strange year. So, you know, lots of stuff to check out. Hopefully, we've given you a lot of recommendations that uh, you'll keep on your radar because these were all movies that brought us a great deal of pleasure in this year. Very good. And we're always curious to hear your thoughts. So if you have any movies that we may have
1: missed, other ones that, uh, hey, maybe the release. We got a lot of recommendations where people were telling us, yo, I caught this, watch it. I'm like, there's no trailer for this yet. I I literally cannot watch this. Uh, So those will be 2021 (laughs) movies. But if they were a 2020 for you, I love seeing that because then that gets me hyped up for uh, what to see uh, in this upcoming year, and then vice versa. Some movies we may have gotten in 2019, I know some people barely got for this year, um, but the more that we got this accessibility, Mm -hmm. maybe one day, I don't know, maybe they'll create an internet worldwide web where everyone can watch something (laughs) at the same time and then find a way to kind of ruin that. But uh, nonetheless, uh, it's just always a joy to
0: talk about movies with you guys. Yeah, same. Uh, Definitely let us know if you have a top 10 list. You can leave it in the comments down below. We'd love to see how your lists overlap with ours and where they may be different. You can also shoot us an email, intercutpod at gmail.com, and let us know what movies you loved from 2020. But that's about all for this installment of Intercut. You can catch more from me, Zach Shevich, by following me on Twitter, Instagram, or Letterboxd, at Z Shevich. That's Z-S-H-E-V, as in Vast of Night, I-C-H. And... um, Amanda, where can people find more from you?
2: You can find me on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, any of the above and probably some other places at Amanda the Jedi.
0: Arturo,
1: you can find me at L M E, that's E as in Minari on YouTube, on Twitter, on Letterboxd and every week here on the Inchica podcast.
0: You can catch every episode of the Intercut Podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher. I Like Overcast. And then make sure you're subscribed not just to the audio podcast, but to the video feed as well on youtube.com slash pod, where you can watch our bright, smiling faces as we break down the latest in entertainment. Find new episodes of Intercut every Monday. Please, leave us a comment, like the video, and consider heading over to iTunes to give us a five star review. Like our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages. All of them are at Intercut Pod. Take up the updates through throughout the week from art from amanda from me from all the guests that we feature here on intercut thanks again for tuning in and until next time grandma smells like korea